630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Here's what's going on in the NHL. Still 1-1 between the Wild and the Capitals. 14 minutes left in the third. So if the Wild were to win, they would jump ahead of Colorado and Arizona into the last playoff spot in the West. As it is right now, Edmonton is 5 out. If Minnesota were to win, Edmonton would be 6 out. Only 8 games left for the Oilers. Obviously, it's going to be extremely tough but uh at least the last what are we up to now last 16 games have been not bad nine five and two over the last 16 raptors leading oklahoma city 77 72 with three and a half minutes left in the third quarter my name is reed wilkins thanks a lot for tuning in tonight really appreciate all the calls and texts about uh your edmonton oilers i know everybody is hoping eventually it'll turn around it is uh Taking a heck of a long time, no doubt about that, and I appreciate all the opinions from people calling in tonight. Well, this is interesting to have this young man on the show because uh, in his mid-30s, he retired because he was just broken down and weary. But now he's getting back into it. Hi, Mark Kennedy. Hey, Reed. How are you? I, I never, I never said retirement. I said I was taking a break. Well, the, all these headlines say, "Well, that's true. You did say that, and we talked about it." So I'm sorry for using the R word. Right? Yeah. Like, like media doesn't blow stuff out of proportion, right? I said, "Hey, I'm taking a break," and they said, "Oh, you're retiring," and then. And then that was it. Right well, on, take the life I, I, of its own, and here we are. Well, and I, I made a mistake because you, you've been on this show several times, and you did say taking a break. You did, there were just all these headlines, like here's one, Olympic champ Mark Kennedy ending retirement to join. I guess it's it flows better than, say, ending taking a break to join Team Jacobs. Right, right. It makes for a better story, right? And that's what all the media wants, so... Well, I'm glad you're uh, getting back into it. So uh, you're joining uh, Brad Jacobs. Hasn't his rink been kind of a rival of some other teams you've been on, though? How's this going to work? Um, yeah, they have been. Uh, it was always a lot of mutual respect, though. I mean, they've always been a great team, and we've had some great games with them in the past. Um, I, you know, I had the chance to play with them this year at the Canada Cup. Though, though I came back uh, for one event, and we ended up winning it. And uh had a really good chemistry and I, I developed a new appreciation for those guys you know it's funny when you're rivals you're always how do I put it you know you, you, you kind of look at the worst in them right you, you're like oh I hate those guys I want to beat them so bad and then you get to spend some time with them and realize that they're they're more like you than you ever thought they were um, and we gelled really well and uh, I really enjoyed that experience and uh, you know I'm looking forward to building on that chemistry uh, come next season. Well, that's cool. So, so you mentioned you played a little bit, but how did you spend most of the last year? Uh, Reed, I, I really enjoyed a break. Um, you know, I, I've uh, been rehabbing at uh, Athics Gym in Edmonton uh, three to four days a week, just trying to get my hip back and healthy. So I've still been working out lots. Um, and, but most importantly, you know, lots of family time. I've been spending some quality time with my girls. Uh, my oldest, Aubrey, is going to be in the World Cheerleading Championships in Orlando in a couple of weeks. So oh, I've wow. kind of taken back and, and taken on a support role for them. And I've loved it. And, uh, you know, it's been a good rest. And 
um, I'm excited to get back to curling, but I've still got three or four months here of just uh, hanging out and being with my girls. No, that, that was the hip issue caused by curling something else? What What's the story there? No, it's it was strictly wear and tear. You know, I, I've thrown a lot of rocks over the years, especially practicing with Kevin Martin. You know, we used to throw an hour and a half a day, every day, and uh, that took its toll, and, and I, I played the last two years in quite a bit of pain, and Never really had the opportunity to rehab it fully and, and get it strong where it should be. And, uh, you know, I had some imbalances just from over the years of maybe some improper training. So this last 10 months has been about fixing those imbalances and dealing with some of the pain and finding new ways to deliver a curling rock that don't put so much strain on certain areas. And, uh, and it's been great. You know, I can go out and practice now and throw rocks, no pain. Um, the next test will be what a full season feels like. And um, so I'll try to prep the best I can for that and uh, see what happens. Mark Kennedy joining us on Inside Sports. So he's going to be joining Team Jacobs for the next curling season. Uh, how did it feel when you found out a couple of weeks ago you were voted the greatest second of all time in Canadian curling? Uh, it was it was humbling, Reed. It was, uh, it was an honour to begin with. Um, you know, I always find those comparisons from generations quite difficult. Like, there's been some incredible seconds over the years. Don Walchuk, Wayne Madaw, um, Ian Tetley. So it's really hard to do. Uh, but I was honored. And it, you know what? It, it told me that um, I've had some great teammates. You know, you don't get on a list like that without being on some pretty incredible teams. And everywhere I've gone, I've got to play with the absolute best of the best. So um, it was humbling. It was very cool to be on that list. And um yeah, I'll take it for what it is. But now you're going to be playing third, right, with uh, with Jacobs. Is that a big adjustment for what you're used to, or is it just kind of like whatever, I throw rocks five and six instead of three and four? Reed, you're sounding like you forgot that I've played third for the past five years. Was it that long you played third? Oh, and I always gave you the benefit of the doubt with well, your curling knowledge. I'm but very now forgetful I gotta... tonight. <laughs> So, so no, it'll be it'll be like second nature for me. I, I've gotten used to playing third the last few years, so to step into that role, um, it kind of feels like my comfort zone. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't see any problem there. And the, the one week that Brad and I worked um, together, we worked really well together. So looking forward to it again. All right. I, I honestly thought it was only the last couple of years, so time oh, flies. Sure you did. Sure blame, you did. That's okay. I'll I give you. Uh, I'll give you a pass on this one. All right. Uh, I want to ask you something else. The uh, women's team had a tough run in Denmark at Worlds, and I know we've talked in the past about expectations on Canadian curlers. Uh, you know, you guys, uh, was it when, was it last Olympics you came up just short of a medal? Yeah. And, yeah, fourth, fourth you know, you got to face all that scrutiny. I mean, what do you say when a team does go through a week like Chelsea Carey just had, and then sometimes you get the, the shots taken at the... You know, the, the gold or bust fans, or from the yeah, fans who say I mean, it's gold or bust. Don't get me wrong, it's tough. Um, but, you know, carry, wearing that Maple Leaf carries a certain level of expectation. You know, people expect you to play well and do well. It's a, it's kind of a gold or bust nation in hockey and curling. You and I have talked about that before. Um, you know, I find it a little unfortunate when teams struggle that the, you know, it's usually the, the keyboard cowboys that come out and throw fire at teams or certain people, and it gets a little bit nasty. I don't think that'll ever stop in the world of social media. You know, these are things that people would never say to your face. They'll, they'll say it under the, behind the safety of a, of a screen. Um, 
So I wish it was different when teams struggle. I wish we did more of uh, lifting these athletes up rather than pushing them down. Um, on the other side of that, it, it falls on the athlete to learn how to ignore it. And, uh, you know, this is something we've talked about from a Curling Canada perspective and, and getting some early media training with our young athletes and getting them used to the idea of, uh, you know, when you're competing at major events, ignoring messages and ignoring social media and, and keeping yourself in that bubble so that you don't allow the negativity in. And I think that's something really, really important going forward uh, for our young curlers so that when they do get that opportunity to wear the maple leaf on their back, you know, they're not faced with such high expectations that they that they fall under the pressure. So that's, All right. a, that's a big story for, for curling going forward. All right, well, it sounds like you're at a good event there. I love having you on the show. You're going to have to drop in this summer so we can chat some more, Mark. For sure, Reed. Sorry for the noise. It's the uh, fourth annual Mark Kennedy Junior Classic. So we've oh. got 250 curling athletes at the uh, Crestwood Curling Club and St. Albert Club this week. And um, my wife's given me uh, dirty looks because I'm doing a radio interview and I'm supposed to be on the ice measuring hot no shots. But it's all good. Thanks for your time, Reed. It's uh, good chatting with you, and we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Thanks, Mark. Absolutely. That is okay. Mark Kennedy checking in now with uh, Brad Jacobs playing third. I, 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 I got to be—I totally messed it up. I knew he'd played third. I didn't realize he'd done it for five years. I thought he did it the last couple of years. Outstanding curler. Great guest on the show, Mark Kennedy. Okay, we will get to that Trevor Redden interview after this break because I want to talk a little bit about the WHL playoffs. That's coming up on Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, uh, the next guest here that you're going to hear is is working right now because he's the play-by-play voice for the Prince Albert Raiders on CKBI in PA. So we had to record this with him this afternoon because he couldn't do play-by-play and be on the show at the same time. PA and Red Deer scoreless halfway through the first period. The Raiders, a 54-win season in the dub. They're the favorites to win it all, and I'm pleased to welcome Trevor Redden to the show. Trevor, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Reed? I'm doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show. Uh, fun weekend here with the WHL playoffs getting started. Of course, the Oil Kings will play tomorrow against Medicine Hat. Your series involving the Prince Albert Raiders gets going tonight as they host the Red Deer Rebels. And, uh, Trevor, sometimes there's uh, a bunch of teams that could be listed as championship candidates, and sometimes there's a clear-cut favorite. And I guess I guess, given this season, not to say there are other great teams, but, uh, I mean, sitting here in Edmonton watching this season, i, I got to call the Raiders a, a clear-cut favorite. Uh, how are you looking at it, and I guess how are they handling that status going into the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it on paper, and there's no question about that. The Raiders won their first game and their second game and their third game, and they were the last team to lose a game this year. Uh, And they were in first place or had a share of first place right from night one of the regular season. So how do you not look at that team and consider them the favorite? They finished number one in the regular season. They had an 11-point margin on second place league-wide, which was Vancouver. So certainly they've deserved the uh, the, the nod as the favorite coming into it. But like you mentioned, uh, coming into it, it, it's not every team can handle a, a banner like that. And I think they've done a good job because... 
does around this team last year where they were a bubble team and scratched and clawed their way into the playoffs. And it doesn't seem that different. I mean, it's maybe a little bit lighter mood at times when you do win games, but uh, they've approached it day by day, and, and I really haven't seen anyone get too far ahead of themselves. So I suspect starting tonight we'll just see more of that workmanlike approach that we've seen all year. Well, and that's interesting that, that, you know, you say they didn't get too far ahead of themselves. That's an important quality. And as the season, you know, once you got three, four weeks into the season, I'd imagine they went into every game wearing the bullseye, right? I mean, I wouldn't think there were a lot of nights off for for this team or nights that uh, maybe the other team wasn't up for the opponent. Because when you're compiling that record and have those winning streaks, everybody wants to be the team that knocked you off, right? So it seems like the Raiders were able to rise to those occasions more often than not. That's exactly right, and I think they, they've been a little bit battle-tested by that because there were some games, even early in the year when they went on that 19-game winning streak, their first 29 games they had one regulation loss, one in a shootout. It was unbelievable what they did, but it wasn't like it was 7-1 and 8 nothing and anything like that. They were they were hard games. They were good teams. That U.S. division rolled through Prince Albert uh, mostly before Christmas, and everyone came in, like you mentioned, with, with intentions of knocking off the number one team. Team and we saw a lot of close games. We saw a lot of playoff-style games. And, and we did see in the second half when the Raiders did slip up, whether it be or even Reddy early in the season, uh, a 4-3 loss there, a shootout loss to Swift Current, a one nothing loss to Saskatoon. When they weren't quite on their A game, they would get caught because other teams would be playing their best hockey. Uh, we went on a, a swing through BC midway through January, and, and the media attention that series got and the scouts that showed up just to see what is this team all about it was impressive to see you know how much word had spread and how much those teams came out whether Kelowna beat Prince Albert in overtime and Vancouver beat them in a nationally televised regulation game and talking with people on the other side they both said Kelowna and Vancouver that was without question the best game they had played all year because the stakes were that high against the number one team so they've seen it they're used to it and I think uh, the fact that it's playoffs shouldn't change their approach too much because they're used to seeing the best from everybody. Trevor Redden joining us on Inside Sports, voice of the Raiders on CKBI as the WHL playoffs get going tonight. I mean, obviously in so many great individual seasons when a team has that much success, uh, Brett Leeson became quite a story throughout the season. You know, uh, 19 undrafted and uh, just on an incredible tear, wound up with 89 points in 55 games. Tell us uh, what you saw from him that uh, allowed him to make such a huge jump offensively from where he was last year. Well, I mean, first and foremost, he's obviously just a, a fantastic athlete because, you know, his father, Daryl, was a, a high-end university, borderline CFL-caliber quarterback, and they say Brett was, was right there in his younger years and had the option to go either way, either as a quarterback or a hockey player. He chose hockey and, you know, projected uh, to be a first-round pick here in the NHL coming up. That's certainly been a good choice, but what we've seen this year from Brett, last year you could tell he had the shot, he had the hand, he had the... IQ of where to go, but he's a big guy. He's 6'4", he's over 200 pounds, and at a young age you don't always get the foot speed very quick when you're, when you're that big, and uh, the message to him after last year was if he can get another step, you're going to be a heck of a player. He was a good player second half last year, and he clearly worked hard on his skating last year, and uh, he came out of the gate. I remember the first couple skates 
prior to the season, even before any exhibition games, before training camp, that was the talk around the rink was they're saying, watch Leeson. He's a whole different guy. And, and you wait to see how it translates. In the first few exhibition games, it did. And you think, okay, regular season's a different animal. And it did move to that. And then even for him, the, the prospects game, the World Juniors, you wonder, okay, he's doing well at this level. What does he do at World Juniors? And we all saw how, how good he looked at the World Junior Tournament as well. So he's just one of those guys that he's got all the tools. It took him a little bit longer to put it all together, but I think he's shown to everybody that it was new, no fluke whatsoever. He is a, a high-end skilled player. So they're playing Red Deer, and we both know games aren't decided on paper, but that's all we have right now. So I have to refer to the 30-point difference in the standings. The Raiders had a goal differential of plus 151. Red Deer's was minus two. Uh, Red Deer's going in. I think they lost their last four going in, so they, they didn't go in uh, on any sort of a storm or anything like that. But, uh, but you mentioned it. There was that early season victory, right, where the Rebels beat them. Uh, how do you look at this matchup, and wh- what do you think the Rebels are going to try to do to, to slow the Raiders down? Well, I mean, talking about on paper, the goofy thing about it is you, all the things you just shared, and, and there's no doubt you look at it, and the Raiders are number one. The, the Rebels got in by two points into the playoff picture. There is a significant margin in terms of their regular seasons, but all four games played between two teams were decided by one goal. The Raiders beat the, the Rebels in a shootout a couple of weeks ago. They lost over in Red Deer. The other two regulation wins were by one goal, so it's not like they've, they've mopped the floor with this Red Deer team. I think what we've seen is uh, the Raiders, their real strength this year is that they can play any way you want. They have the speed, they have the skill, but they've also got some size and they're a team that really had to earn everything last year. They learned to win one goal games uh, and have brought much of that core back so they can play that way as well. And that's, I think, what we've seen from Brent Sutter and the Red Deer Rebels is they're a hardworking team. Uh, They might uh, give up a little bit of skill compared to the Raiders, but they're a hardworking team and they know how to play the right way. They're not going to make mistakes. As Raider head coach Mark Habscheid has mentioned, that you're not going to get anything free from the Rebels. If you want to beat them, you have to beat them right through the front door, and that is win honestly, work hard, and match their work ethic. So I think what we're going to see is some low-scoring games, probably some overtime, and uh, we're going to see a bit of a chess match between Mark Hapscheid and Brent Sutter because these two guys have been around the league a long time. They know what it takes to win in the playoffs, and uh, I think the Rebels are going to be quite the match for the Raiders here. Well, that's going to be a great series to watch. Uh, obviously, the uh, PA winning the East Division, Edmonton on top in the in the Central and the, the Eastern Conference. Still pretty strong, I think. You had, uh, what was it, five teams with 88 points or more. So that's a pretty good playoff field going into this one. Trevor, enjoy calling the series. We'll have to talk again down the line throughout the postseason. Really appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on, Reed. Trevor Redden, CKBI in Prince Albert. He's the voice of the Raiders. They're scoreless with the Rebels in the first period. Oil Kings get going tomorrow at 7.30. They will host Medicine Hat in Game 1. Sir Vincent Rogers, free agent signing on the Eskimos offensive line when we get back. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports.
All right, so the Oilers are now six out of a playoff spot. Minnesota wins tonight 2-1 in Washington. They get up to 79 points. Edmonton sitting with 73. Oilers and Senators tomorrow at Rogers Place. 12.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 2, then the Oil Kings play at 7.30. Sharks and Ducks coming up later. Western Hockey League tonight, game one for all these series. Late in the first period, no score, Moose Jaw and Saskatoon. No score, PA just scored. Now one nothing. Prince Albert up on Red Deer, 23 seconds left in the first. And Calgary leading Lethbridge, one nothing. late in the first period. Some other games coming up tonight in the Pacific time zone. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. They have their brunch, Northern Chicken style, buttermilk biscuits, sausage, gravy, and smashed potatoes. Sundays, 11 a.m. until 2. Visit northchickenyeg.com. Well, there was uh, a whole boatload of Edmonton, new Edmonton Eskimos the week of free agency. Well, I guess it depends on the size of your boat. But there were <laughs> they signed nine guys on free agency day and a couple more later on that week. One of the big names and one of the biggest guys they added from the Ottawa Red Blacks offensive lineman, Sir Vincent Rogers. Sir Vincent, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Hey, glad you had me on. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. Obviously, you're uh, one, one of a long list of players to join the Edmonton Eskimos as the result of free agency in February. That was obviously a pretty wild day with, you know, Mike Riley and a couple other players leaving Edmonton, but a whole bunch coming to town, including a couple of players you were with in Ottawa. Tell me a, a, a little bit about that day, being a part of all that news and that, that frenzy of players changing teams. Man, it's crazy. It was a, it was a hectic day. And then, uh, like you said, once I realized that I had a couple teammates coming over as well, um, it was one of those things that was exciting um, and kind of was just kind of ready for the, the new challenge and the new environment. But it was definitely exciting. And then seeing all the other signings across the league and things like that, it just felt like you were a part of one of those things that may have been like, you know, one of the biggest moments, you know, or one of the bigger moments in CFL history. And it felt cool to just be a part of it. Well, and with Harrison Ellingson coming here, like, was that the, the the clincher for you? I'm just curious about your approach to that day and how it played out. I mean, were you thinking, okay, I'm probably going to wind up changing teams? Were you waiting to see where Trevor went? Because I know you and he have a pretty good relationship. What eventually led you to, to sign in the green and gold? Man, really, man, it just, you know, it came down to knowing that, you know, pretty much my time was up in Ottawa. I could kind of see the writing on the wall. And so, you know, after talking to my agent for a while and, you know, we had went back and forth with Ottawa for a little bit early on in the off season. I pretty much knew that I was going to end up on a new team. And then, um, you know, once free agency hit and my agent was able to work a deal out with Edmonton and, you know, it'd be a deal that we were both comfortable with and, and good to go with. And the fact that, you know, I'm familiar with Moss and I'm familiar with Brock, it was just one of those things, man, it felt right. Um, and then I found out after that, that Greg and uh, and Trevor were both coming over too, but man, honestly, didn't know that both of those guys were going to sign with me. You know, I'd had conversations with them, and I knew that they, you know, were considering um, also leaving the Red Blacks, but I didn't know that they were going to sign in Edmonton. So once I saw and knew that, man, I was even more excited um, to have some some more familiar faces, and also what both of those guys bring to the table. You know, it just added firepower to the mix as well. 
Well, tell me a little bit about what it's been like having Trevor Harris as a teammate. I know, I, I know, Sir Vincent, that that you're probably going to remind people the offensive linemen are the best athletes on the team and deserve more attention. <laughs> but the quarterbacks usually get most of the headlines. And hey, Trevor's coming in after uh, Mike Riley, who was a very popular and successful player. But tell us what Trevor is like as a as a teammate and uh, your message to Eskimos fans on on why they should look forward to seeing him as their quarterback. Man, just as a person, as a man, like Trevor's a really good guy. Um, great father, just great person, man. Me and him, has been, we've been friends since our days in Toronto together. I'm sure you can hear my kids in the background. But um, we've been friends since um, our days in Toronto together, man. And it felt good for him to come over to Ottawa and be a part of what we, we had going there and um, bring his talents and help us win a bunch of ball games and eventually get us to a great cup, man. So I think in adding Trevor to, you know, the mix – you're getting a great quarterback, a smart guy, um, good, humble guy, um, and a guy that's going to be fierce and go out there and compete each and every time. Um, I consider him a top two, three quarterback in the league, and he's proven that um, over the course of his career, and I think he'll be a good fit with him and Moss together in this system. Well, I do hear the kids in the background, and nothing wrong with that. I know you, I know you got to be tell, – tell us a little bit about uh, about your family. Are they are they old enough to know what Dad does for a living, or, or uh, what's the situation there? Yeah, so I have an 11-year-old, a 3-year-old, a 2-year-old, and a 1-year-old. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that – you know, the 11-year-old, she's familiar with what I do. She's, uh, you know, she's gotten to see a lot of my career and things like that. Um, Sir Vincent Jr., who's three years old, he's he's familiar now. I think he's understanding now that Daddy plays football, and um, I think he thinks it's pretty cool. He loves it. He's a real physical kid. Uh, my two-year-old and my one-year-old, Addison and uh, Sir Christian, I don't know if they really know as much. My two-year-old maybe a bit, but not as much as my oldest two. So, you know, we have fun with it, man. Um, they're involved in sports as well, not football yet, but – Sir Vincent Jr. is involved in soccer. He has a soccer game in the morning. And my oldest daughter, Aaliyah, uh, plays basketball. She has a basketball game tomorrow afternoon. So we're getting them going with sports early, man. And, and hopefully we'll be a, a household that, that uh, fitted on sports. My wife was a collegiate track um, all-star. And she's a current like high school track coach, girls track coach. So we're going to try to keep sports in the family, man. Well, that sounds awesome. You got a sports-heavy family. That's pretty cool. And I, I guess with you growing up in Texas, were, were you the you know Texas has that reputation that it's 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 football as soon as you can walk, maybe even sooner. Was that was that your path into the game, or or what's the story there, Sir Vincent? Sort of. I started playing the game when I was eleven. Um, my neighborhood, a lot of a lot of the other guys in my neighborhood, my age, were playing playing Pop Warner football. We called it Pee Wee football at the time. And at 11, you know, I was offered to play, and it was my first year playing. And so all the best guys that had been playing for years was on what they called the A team. And because it was the first year, I was on the, the Pee Wee B team. And, man, we were terrible. We were the bad news bears. Uh, but, you know, I had a ton of fun that year, man. And I just remember thinking back, like, man, it was a great time. Um, even Even within all the losing and all of that stuff, we had fun as a team, and I think that's where my passion grew for the game. I, of course, watched it as a Dallas Cowboy fan as a kid growing up. But, um, yeah, after playing that year, man, I kind of took to it, and it was one of those things that became a staple uh, for me every year. I played every year after that. Were you always an O-lineman? Um, I actually started out playing both O-line and D-line, but I, I 
took the defensive line more. Um, I had more of an aggressive style of play, and I just liked playing defense, man. I liked, you know, that. And then when I got up into high school, my my high school, we uh, got the spread offense, and we had another tackle that was like six foot eight, and he was playing one tackle, and they needed another guy's size to be the other tackle. And, I, you know, I was that next guy, so they transitioned me from defensive line to offensive tackle at that point. And that's where, you know, my junior season in high school, that's where really I started working on being a tackle. And by my senior year, I kind of gotten good at it, man, and was fortunate enough to go off and, and get an uh, athletic scholarship because of it. But, no, I wasn't always an offensive lineman. I, I definitely liked playing defense up until my, my junior year in high school. Okay, great stuff. Sir Vincent Rogers joining us on Inside Sports tonight. New member of the Edmonton Eskimos, signed as a free agent just over a month ago. Sir Vincent, i got to ask you about that name. I mean, that, that is such a regal-sounding name, Sir Vincent Rogers. I, I remember when you, know, when you played for the, the Red Blacks and, and talking to Henry about you, and I was like, man, that, like, what's, where did his parents come up with that? That is, uh, that is, I mean, that just name inspires that you must be good at something. Turns out to be football in your case. But uh, t- tell us a little bit about the, the the name and the background there well yeah man it's interesting um i get that a lot pretty much everywhere i go everywhere i've ever been um that's one of the main things people ask me and a lot of people sometimes think that i'm you know making it up or i, I you know i don't know if people think that i you know i'm just at, adding that on to my name and that my name is really just vincent but no man my mom was creative uh my dad's name is vincent and, you know, between the mix of wanting to name me after him and also wanting to give me a name that would be respected um, just within uttering the, the name, she added Sir to it, man, and gave me these <laughs> these high standards to live up to. Um, and I've been, been working and trying to do that, man, my entire life pretty much. Good stuff. Hey, I just want to touch on something else with you. There, there are some uh, negotiations going on here with this, the Players Association and, and the CFL, and one of the things that came up is uh, the, the ratio. Could they do something uh-huh. so there are fewer Canadian starters? You know, you're, you're an American playing in the league, um, and, and yep. you play a position that usually has more Canadians out of the five offensive linemen than there are Americans. Um, you know, I wonder just your, your take on this. I mean, obviously, you know it is the CFL, and it's it's um, right. always made sure there are spots for Canadians. What, what, does this need to change going forward, or how do you look at this? Um, I, I think part of the issue that I think American guys have with the ratio is that um, I'll give you one scenario. You can have a Canadian backup on the O-line that salary-wise is making more than an American starter at another position. And so when you look at, you know, when you look at that difference in pay, a lot of guys are alarmed by that. Um, but for me, my view my view of it is, you know, with the ratio where it is now with seven, it, I, I feel like it affects the American offensive lineman more than anyone. Um, it limits the job opportunities from each team to two, uh, maybe three at most per team. Whereas, you know, at other various positions, a lot of American players have a lot more range to – you know, fight and compete for certain positions. But because of the ratio, most teams are setting in stone. We're going to start X amount of, you know, Canadian players on the offensive line. And so, I, you know, I was of the mindset that if it drops, then that even, you know, dwindles job opportunities, opportunities even more for the American alignment um, that already exists now. 
I, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it need if it needs to be changed. Being an American, I do recognize that it's Canadian Football League, and that you know you do want to make sure that Canadians do have a proper place in the game, and that that's not forfeited. And you know, that never disintegrates. And I definitely understand that. Um, I threw out a few ideas on my on my Twitter page. You know, just you know, just kind of suggesting some things. And one of those was. Um, you know, either drop it down to six or move it up to eight and go, you know, three Canadians on offense or four Canadians on offense and then vice versa, three or four on defense. And being uh, position specifics, you know, maybe implement a rule that, you know, you can only play two or three, uh, two or three at most on the offensive line and then the other spots have to be filled in other positions. In my eyes, that way it at least gives the American – O-linemen the opportunity to have, you know, job job opportunities to compete for jobs, uh, well, maybe not even equally, but, you know, better than this ratio that we have now gives us. Because right now we pretty much know coming onto every roster that, okay, out of all of us American O-linemen that are competing, likely one of us is going to actually have a job or, you know, maybe two of us have starting jobs. And it's not the case at other positions. Um, it's pretty much free reign at a lot of other positions. And I know that's because, you know, people have made, you know, have have said that Canadian O-linemen are developed faster than other play, other Canadian players at other positions. And, you know, I, you know that's debatable. But, yeah, just was kind of throwing out some things just to kind of see. I know that was, that was my issue with it, just the job opportunities for American O-linemen. Other guys were more concerned about the pay differential between – those um, those ratio Canadian players and the money that they make in comparison to everybody else in the league, and and specifically how a backup Canadian, because it's so you know it's so important due to the ratio, could make more money than a starting American in other positions. So you know I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. I was just kind of throwing out some things. You know I came into the league knowing what the ratio was and knowing what I was up against, and I was you know willing to compete. And you know, try to try to earn my spot, and I was able to do that and sustain my career up until this point. So I'm not, you know, it's not going to make or break me either way. Um, just kind of throwing some suggestions out there. All right, good stuff. Well, Sir Vincent, great to have you on the show. We look forward to seeing you play for the Eskimos. When are you coming up? You must be heading up to Edmonton pretty soon. I may get an opportunity to get up before training camp, but likely it'll be just before training camp. I have a lot of responsibilities. Um, that I, you know, delegate to my kids and, like, offer up to my kids in the off season, And so um, it'll probably prevent me from coming up any sooner than just before training camp. But I'm definitely excited. Um, I've definitely already started training and trying to prepare for the challenge and the opportunity ahead, man. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting there and getting the ground running and getting to work, man. Well, right on. Thanks for your time. We'll see you when you get to town. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Good stuff there. Sir Vincent Rogers, or Sir V as some people call him, new offensive lineman for the Edmonton Eskimos. He's had a very good career so far. Hopefully that continues in green and gold. We're back after the break. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. 
WHL playoff update. Early in the first period, PA leading Red Deer 1-0. Start of the second period, scoreless Moose Jaw and Saskatoon. After the first, Calgary up 1-0 in Lethbridge. NHL tonight, Minnesota jumps into the final playoff spot in the West by beating the Capitals 2-1. Sharks and Ducks later on tonight. In the NBA, the Raptors lose on home court 116-109 to Oklahoma City. If you have never won anything from a radio station in your life, be it 630 Ched, Power 92, WCBS, whatever. If you have never won anything from a radio station in your life, 780-496-0063. First caller through will get two tickets to next Thursday's home game for the Edmonton Oilers against the Dallas Stars, March 28th. Well, I guess it's now this coming Thursday. Uh, March 28th against Dallas. It's a fan appreciation night. We had some people calling in earlier about the price of tickets. Well, we're giving you tickets for free. If you have never, ever won anything from a radio station in your life. And Kellen will know because he has the log of all the winners. That's right. I really appreciate you tuning in tonight. That was a good show. You heard from Sir Vincent Rogers, Mark Kennedy, Trevor Redden, and a lot of comments from you on the Edmonton Oilers, who play tomorrow. 12.30 face-off show. I'll join you from Rogers Place. The game starts at 2 against the Ottawa Senators. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports, the studio operator this evening, the one and only Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. And congrats to Shane. He's got the Oilers tickets. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.